Hello, and welcome to another episode of Pinot and Perfume. I am your host, Sarah Chacon. I hope you guys had a wonderful Christmas, um, if you celebrated, of course. Um, I want to know what you got for, uh, if you got any perfume for Christmas. Um, I myself did, they were, I got, I opened them earlier because I'm like a kid and I cannot wait. And both me and my husband have no willpower. Um, so my dad got me Burberry Her. He actually um, gave it to me for Thanksgiving since that's when we went to, to my sister's house um, and saw the family there because we decided to stay home this year for Christmas just because we saw everybody at Thanksgiving. We have two dogs that we have to board when we go anywhere and that can be expensive. And so, you know, we're trying to save, you know, we have financial goals. We have to be adults about it. So we opted to have a nice Christmas quiet Christmas at home. So um, we kind of exchanged gifts with the family over Thanksgiving. And I originally was going to save it to unwrap on Christmas, but I didn't because um, I knew what it was and I really wanted to wear it. Um, I think that's already been posted on my Instagram as a first impression, um, a cheating first impression because I have already worn it a few days, um, but you know, whatever. So I got that. And then my second one was Bon Bon Couture that I bought myself for Black Friday. That was my gift to myself. Um, that one's also, that one's going to be a first impression tomorrow. Um, this is obviously recorded and coming out today, the 27th, a Sunday. Uh, so that's going up tomorrow. Again, I already cheated because I ordered it for Black Friday and I have worn it a few days since. I need to wear it some more, but I have worn it. <clears throat> and that was the one I got for a deal because I had some gift cards and it was on sale. So that, um, I learned this year for Christmas that my husband is about as basic when it comes to Christmas as, as I am, which it's so interesting to still learn things about your significant other. If you've been with them for a while, um, like we've been together seven years, married for three of those years, still learning stuff about each other here and there, which it blows my mind. So this year for Christmas, our big gift outside of like my bon bon couture um, to myself, our gift was we bought a smoker again on Black Friday. It's similar to a Traeger brand smoker. It's not a Traeger brand. Um, we got the Z-Girl off of Amazon, so it's like an off-brand, but it still had very, very good reviews. Really, it works for what we needed to work for, which is we just want to smoke all the meats, and we have been. So that was our kind of like our big joint Christmas gift to ourselves. So we didn't do anything. We had no plans to like do anything other than that. But I still wanted a little something, you know, under the tree, make Christmas Day a little bit special. So one uh, Saturday while he was out in Tampa with some friends, I went to Target and actually, no, I, I did go to Target and make baking shit, which I did that before. That was what I'd done that day. But I went to Old Navy as well and got us coordinating uh, pajama pants, uh, not not doing the full matchy-matchy because -matchy, uh, I think he would find that cringy. And the full, and just the pants, because the full tops and bottoms, like I did check out the ones at Target. Those are flannel and we live in Florida. And granted, it's been cooler this week. Like it was, I think it got up into the fifties on Christmas day, which was chef's kiss. Like I love it. Like it really felt like Christmas and it's been getting down into the thirties, but this is like, a, I think it's the past two weeks. It's gotten cooler that it's going to start warming up. I think today, I mean, when I let out the dogs earlier this afternoon, 
it always already felt like it was like 60s. So that's not going to last. So we would, I just sweat looking at the full, like the top and long sleeve, long pants, thick flannel, um, pajama pants. I just start instinctively sweating. So I was like, no, but I did old Navy had a sale on, it is still flannel, but it's a little bit thinner flannel and it's just the bottoms. And I felt like we could handle it. So I got myself a pair of the shorts and they were black and red plaid. And then I got a pair, uh, a pair of pants for him and they were like black and tan plaid. So not too, too cringy. I didn't get like snowman and shit. No judging. I did think about it. They had some with Santa, Santa faces on it. Thought about that. Um, but I didn't because I wanted something that he would realistically still kind of wear. And so I had that. I got, did a little stocking for him. I found red vines at Target, which he loves red vines. I can't, I think they taste gross. He loves red vines and he loves Reese's peanut butter cups. And so at Target, they had red vines, which I can never find. And they had the Reese's peanut butter Christmas trees, put those in a stocking, um, got up early. Well, he got up, we both got up early Christmas day for varying reasons. I was already, I think my internal clock, just because I've been like, okay, I need to get up early. I didn't set my alarm clock, but I was like, need to get up early while he's still sleeping to put shit under the tree and to put stuff in his stockings without him um, finding out. And But he got up around the same time I did, which was like 6, 6.30, excuse me, um, because he had a nightmare and he couldn't go back to sleep. So I basically had to wait till he was just distracted on his phone in the bed. Um, I went to use the bathroom and then just kind of tried to be slick and go into the closet and retrieve the pajama pants that I had wrapped up as well as the red vines. And then, um, the freezer had the, um, peanut butter and chocolate Christmas trees in his stockings. And so when he finally came out, when I tell you his eyes fucking lit up when he saw the presents under the trees and it wasn't that much, it was just like the two pajama pant bottoms that I got and totally was like, it was a sale at Old Navy. It was like $20 his eyes lit up and he was like, oh, there's presents under the tree. Like, like a kid on Christmas day, literally like a kid on Christmas day. Um, and he was already excited about the stocking. And I was like, yeah, I wanted to do a little something. He liked the pants. He really liked them. I was surprised. So I kind of got the pajama pants as kind of a joke for me. I thought it would be funny to like see his reaction. Cause I figured he would hate the whole idea of like coordinating PJ pants or like matching PJ pants. And so I got it primarily so I could laugh at his reaction backfired on me because he legitimately <laughs> legitimately likes those little shits. So, which is good. You know, that's a bonus icing on the top of the cake. Legitimately loved them. I made cinnamon rolls that morning, um, homemade cinnamon rolls. And, um, we had some eggs like a kid. He had kind of binged on most of his candy. So he had a tummy ache. He still scarfed down the cinnamon rolls and the eggs because he knew I had worked hard on them. Um, and then he, for the majority of the rest of that morning, he was not feeling so hot. And then that afternoon, he kind of, his stomach settled and uh, he was fine. But yeah, it was a good Christmas. Um, and so next year I was like, because we never made a big deal about Christmas or like really exchange gifts after like the first couple of years together. Because it, because at the time, like he's always getting me gifts. I mean, I know that sounds so unlikable, but yeah, he's always doing like little thoughtful things for me around the house. Um when he was working more consistently, he would get me little gifts here and there. So it's like, what's the point, you know, but 
knowing that we both like the fact that there's Christmas presents under the tree and that it doesn't have to be a lot, just like a little something to make the actual Christmas day special. Um, I think we're going to start exchanging gifts again. So that's good. Uh, but yeah, like a little kid, it was honestly, it was so cute. And I, he said that was like one of his happy, happy Christmas memories. So patting myself on the back for being, maybe I should get a good wife award. I don't know. Um, I am drinking, if you're curious, a Kirkland Signature Boxed Cabernet, so Cabernet Sauvignon. So, you know, I let my box wines. I make no, I, no images, no airs of pretension on this channel. If I happen to pop open a nice, we have one bottle of Honeymoon Wine left. Three years old, we bought it at Sterling Vineyards in California. That's where we went on our honeymoon. It was like Napa Valley. And I can't obviously have to wait. I don't know if it's like a special occasion or just an occasion, but that's like the last bottle. So we're kind of saving it. So in the meantime, just downing my boxed wine um, that is not only fiscally responsible, but also quite delicious. Granted, I have a trash palate, so it could taste like a foot um, and I'd still drink it. So... You know, three things I think are constant life. Usually, I think the original, the quote, I think it's attributed to Benjamin Franklin. I haven't bothered to corroborate, corroborate. I'm not drunk, I swear to God. Corroborate that fact by looking it up, even though Google's right in front of me. But I think the original quote, which is attributed to Benjamin Franklin, is there are two things in life that are certain death and taxes. I would like to modify that quote and say three things in life are certain death, taxes, and Costco boxed wine. Change my mind. Change my mind. Obnoxious sip. Um, yeah, so on Christmas break, super excited. And I've never had like a proper Christmas break probably since school time. Um, just with like working since high school when I didn't have school and I also didn't have to work a job. Um, so it's nice. Um, and I am taking full advantage of it. Um, reading, we did a deep clean of the house, Christmas Eve, laundry, dusted, mopped, vacuumed, washed the sheets, you know, all the things. And honestly, it's so nice. It's been, we've been needing to just do like a once we've been, we do bits and pieces here and there, but it's been a while since we did like the whole thing at once. So got that knocked out, um, which is always on my to-do list and I never get around to doing it. So we both did it. And yeah, just a nice ass Christmas. Um, my sister came over last weekend. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned on that episode, actually. I don't think I did. And we did maybe, no, I no, we did. Yeah. 100% we did. Cause I mentioned the flight, the Coke flight. I don't know. I say things and I forget what I talked about on this podcast because as soon as I let it out into the universe, it's like a purge and I completely forget. But yeah, our sister was there. She came over last weekend. We did some Christmassy shit that my husband didn't want to do, like uh, go to the Gaylord Palms Hotel and see their I Love Christmas movies walkthrough. So they recreated scenes from popular Christmas movies. I think it's only in the Warner Brothers catalog uh, because it was and put on in conjunction with uh, with the cooperation of Warner Brothers Pictures. So it was like scenes from Elf, scenes from A Christmas Story, scenes from Christmas Vacation, scenes from the Polar Express, and scenes from A Year Without Santa, I think. That's the one with uh, the hot and cold guys, Mr. Let's see. 
Mr. Snow, Mr. Heat. I don't know. You know what I'm talking about. It's like the claymation that I'm Mr. Snow, I'm Mr. Snow, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. That we got a little Christmas themed cocktail afterwards. We, they had shows. So the Gaylord Palms, there's a bunch of Gaylord hotels like around the country. They're all huge ass hotels. I actually stayed in one for a work trip years and years ago in DC. They all have like a the central like um, atrium inside. It's huge. There's like a bunch of shops, bunch of restaurants, interior facing hotel rooms. And this is where they had like the two musical shows. One, I was super surprised because it was basically a musical version. Well, they were telling the Christmas story. So like, you know, Jesus being born in a manger, all of that with with Christmas Carol, like the religiously themed Christmas carols, which, you know, Christmas has been so secular, secularized, and it's almost taboo to even talk about the religious connotation or celebrate the religious aspect of Christmas because, you know, God forbid you're labeled of, you, you hate, you know, by doing so, you automatically hate Muslims. You know, with our way our cancel culture is, if you acknowledge one religion means you hate all the rest. So it was really interesting to see that. I mean, all the performers were good, but I was, you know, color me surprised um, that I wasn't sitting through a a performance about, you know, Santa, mommy kissing Santa Claus and, you know, Santa dragging his fat ass down the chimney to presents, you know, throwing a, Gr a Grinch song, nothing wrong with those, but, I, you know, just surprised. And then we watched the light ceremony, which is like an indoor light. Um, they had a Christmas tree that lit up. This was secular. Um, there was the main song was called hashtag lit that we were laughing at. It was catchy. It was a bop. It sounded like something you would listen to on like the Disney channel, uh, to be quite honest. And, you know, then, and when it started, that's what my sister said. She goes, this sounds like a made up song. And then they started with the hashtag lit course. And we both laughed and we, that was confirmed. It was indeed a made up song, probably just for this light show in the Gaylord Hope Palms Hotel. But that was cool. And that was like another, we were there for like two to two and a half hours um, all together, which was longer than I think either one of us thought we'd be there. And then the next day we went to Disney Springs and just walked around, snacked it up. A lot of a lot of spots have like holiday themed drinks and snacks, so we did that. Did I don't think I actually don't think I mentioned on this channel now that I'm thinking about it. I think I mentioned on my other podcast, but we went. So I've been wanting to do the Coke flight. It's um, a taste around the world at the World of Coke in Disney Springs, but it's it's a lot for one person. the uh, The full flight is 16, and they look like those little punch cups that you would get at an office party, you know. And so, but my sister was there with me and she's like, you know what? I'll do it with you. That'd be fine. So I looked at it and the 16 still sounded like a lot, even for us, because she was getting her own drink. And I'm like, between the two of us putting down like 16 punch cups of soda is going to be a lot. So I saw another option they had, which was like $3 cheaper. It was a taste around the world to go flight with only six. So I assumed it would be six in the punch, like in the punch glasses, just like six ones. And I was like, oh, that's way more feasible for the two of us. Was kind of curious about the to-go aspect, but didn't pay much mind. Paid. And then they brought out my drinks. And it was in a to-go caddy. It wasn't the punch cups. It was like six full-sized fountain drinks. No ice to dilute it or to, to take up space. They were just chilling in the fridge.
And I we were both surprised. We tasted all of them. I put down two of those shits and I was like, I can't drink this much goddamn soda. As much as I want to, I can't do it. I'm going to have no room for like any of the other little treats we have planned. Because, you know, there's other drinks. I'm going to drink it up at Disney Springs, especially when uh, I have my sister with me. I've done Disney Springs myself and it's okay. But it's so much more fun when you have somebody there with you. So you can, you know, be basic and try all the drinks and split the, split the snacks, you know, all the things. So I I didn't want to like blow my load at the World of Coke. So I put down two and I was like, if I drink any more, I'm going to be either full, too full to drink and eat anything else, or I'm going to throw up. I don't want to take a bet and get either one of those. My sister drank a few, but like I said, she got her own. She had like a Jack and Coke, which they made so strong that they, the lady called her back and gave her like an, an extra little like punch cup filled with just Coke. She's like, you know, I made your drink a cocktail a little bit strong. Here's some extra Coke if you want to dilute it. My sister, being the champion drinker she is, was like, thank you. She got to the table. She's like, I'm not diluting this shit. Like I paid $13 for this, got my money's worth. And I she had me taste it. It was basically straight Jack Daniels with like a splash of Coke. Like that shit was no joke. So you know, props to that. Uh, Try the Jack and Coke at World of Coca-Cola if you're in Disney Springs in Orlando, Florida. Hot tip. Um, But yeah, she had her drink. And so she was too busy, you know, down, you know, drinking her liquor. And um, she didn't want to like pound two, two and a half things of like soda. So I, for a while I carried around the other four sodas and I was like, I got tired of carrying around. I felt, and so I threw it out. I felt bad wasting that much soda, but now I know for next time. Next time if I go, I'll hit up World of Coke last and take those little shits home with me, and then those could be drink mixers, because those would make awesome drink mixers. Um, But yeah, super fun. Did the Christmas things this year, was super fucking festive. Um, Fa la 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 la, you know? So let me know how your Christmases was. Also, my cinnamon rolls turned out so good. Pillsbury has nothing on my cinnamon rolls. I'll put the link in the um in the description the description box. This is at YouTube. I'll put the link in the show notes. It's from a blog called Sally's Baking Addiction. It's really easy to do. And only it's it takes a long time because I think the total time is like two hours, but it's really like waiting. The most time is spent waiting for your um, things to proof. So it does take about an hour to an hour and a half to proof. But I, I, I timed, I got the timing just right this time. This is my second, second attempt with this, um, recipe. First time I was overbaked. Second time, Ooh, it was a chef's kiss. So good. Pillsbury's got nothing on them. I highly suggest you recommend, highly suggest, highly recommend you try them out. So, so good. Um, so patting myself on the back, for that. And uh, yeah, it was just a really fun Christmas. Okay, so scent of the week is none other than a jazz club from Mason Margiela's replica line. Now this, I got, I had the purse spray, so it's like the uh, 0.3 ounce or 10 milliliters. I actually got it at Disney Springs because, fun fact, 
If you have either one of the Disney rewards credit cards offered through Chase, there's one without an annual fee and one with an annual fee. You can redeem your your rewards in the you can either get like a statement credit I think on like an airplane ticket or you can redeem them for Disney dollars which they put on like a gift card and the gift card's reloadable so you're when you initially cash out they'll mail it to you but then you save it and it'll just put it on the same gift card either time so I had about twenty seven bucks to use because I actually did end up closing mine out and it's you can use those Disney dollars at I would say most, if not all, of the shops at Disney Springs. So there's shops other than, like, you have the World of Disney and you have, like, Lego Store and you have um, other Disney-themed stores. But there's also Sephora, Lily Pulitzer, Alex and Annie, Zara. And you can use those Disney dollars there. So I use my Disney dollars to get the... Jazz Club Purse Spray. Like I said, I think had like 27 bucks on it. This is $30 retail. So it was like four bucks out of pocket. Um, originally smelled this with my friend Jenna at the mall at Sephora uh, on the trip that I bought Princess by Killiam. And we had the sweetest sales associate. Um, she was so cool because, excuse me, since the pandemic hit, Sephora doesn't let you test their fragrances on their own. You have to call um, a sales associate over to have them spray shit on a stick for you. Ulta is not the same way. Ulta just has a shitload of hand sanitizers around, and they just ask that you sanitize before and after touching things. Um, I wish Sephora would do that because they have a lot of like variety of kind of higher end brands and just all the things. So I've said all the things so often. I'm sorry. I'm apparently channeling like my inner 21 year old. So the lady I sprayed all of the replica line that they had. I'm pretty sure it was all the replica line that's currently available and all of it's good. Um, but jazz club stuck out to Jen and me the most. And I think she ended up getting a full bottle of it recently. And I just got the purse spray. So if you're unaware, the replica line Supposed, to, It's supposed to be the reproduction of familiar scents and moments of varying locations and periods. That's off, actually my little bottle here. So their most famous one, if you watch any sort of like YouTube reviews, you've probably heard of By the Fireplace. That's probably like their most famous one. Um, there's Jazz Club and there's a few others. So with Jazz Club, the time period is supposed to be like in Brooklyn 2013 at a jazz club. The notes that they have, let me bring this up. So your top notes are Prima 4 Lemon, Pink Pepper, and Neroli Oil. Your middle notes are Clary Sage Oil, Rum Absolute, and Java Vetiver Oil. And your base notes are Striax Resin, Tobacco Leaf Absolute, and Vanilla Bean. And it's supposed to all come together to give you an idea of what a jazz club ideally would smell like. And I gotta say, it's so good. I can see it. I do think this is a higher end jazz club. To me, this smells like something that Don Draper would wear. Like you get this, the smoke and you get the resiny, woody, vanilla, but it doesn't smell cheap. It smells very refined, very light and weirdly refreshing. Um, it's, it's warm, but it's also refreshing at the same time. I don't know. They describe it as the cozy atmosphere of a private club, chic and heady cocktail, 
honey and woody notes of cigar boxes. Um, this is an ED eau de toilette, I think. Let me see if I can read this tiny ass thing. Yep. This is an eau de toilette. So it's not an eau de parfum, which kind of plays into the longevity and sillage. So out of all the ones, uh, Whispers in the Library is another one that you might have heard of. They managed to make that one smell like books and library without being like old and musty. But Jazz Club was the one I think the favorite of both myself and Jenna. It just smells so... Oh, it just smells so good. And it makes me want to go to a jazz club. Now, I don't know if an actual jazz club smells like this. In my, I have a feeling this is probably what it should smell like. This is an elevated jazz club smell, an ideal jazz club smell. Uh, the only club I've ever been to uh, that's like a genre that's themed around a genre of music is the Bradfordville Blues Club in Northern Florida. Not shitting on it. It's great, but not the atm same atmosphere. Um that's like a kind of a little shack in the woods, kind of like how the Love Shack's described. But a lot of like legendary musical talent has played there. But if that were synth, that would be more of like Marlboro Lights, Budweiser, and Sweat. This is like good cigarette, like high-end tobacco, high-end cocktail, like rum, but not, not like a businessman who's had like six cocktails and he's cat calling in women and getting kind of grabby with the waitress and being an asshole. Not that kind of rum. This is a kind of rum that you would savor and sit with a cocktail. You wouldn't, you're not trying to get drunk like you're a 20 year old frat boy or a businessman who hates his wife. You are, it's very refined, very elegant. Um, this would be this would be like in a speakeasy where it takes them like 20 minutes to make you a cocktail because of the artistry, quote unquote. That's what this smells like. Again, very, I could see Don Draper wearing this, if that gives you any sort of idea. I mean, granted, yes, I think he does hate his wife, but he's much more discreet about it and doesn't have gin blossoms, which I imagine the other businessman example would. Um, so good. And like straight out of the bottle... It just, you can smell the resiny, like the wood from this, from what you would assume is a cigar box. Mine's kind of there, but it's, it's faint. So since this is, since this is an EDT, the longevity on me just doesn't last. I would give this like three or four hours at the most. Uh, definitely won't get you through a day at work. Um, you would probably have to reapply. Definitely, if you didn't reapply at work and you wanted to wear it for the evening, you would need to reapply. Um, but to me, the scent is so good. I didn't really care. Didn't really care. It's so good. So projection, I think for me, maybe an hour, 30 minutes to an hour, maybe. Um, it's not a beast mode fragrance by any means. And I think it's a, that's good. I think if it were beast mode, it would be too overwhelming. Um, it, but yeah, you might still get compliments on it. I actually got complimented by my husband, which I count his compliments because a compliment is a compliment. doesn't matter who it comes from. And he doesn't compliment all of my perfumes. Can I say compliment one more time? Yes, I can. But he usually doesn't remark on my perfumes if they're not good. There are some, so when he does, you know, it's going to be good. And this one, he definitely did compliment. Um, <sighs> 
So yeah, it is expensive uh, for what you get. So like I said, the purse, the 10 milliliter size is 30 bucks. That's kind of a lot when you think about, especially if you spray generously and you go through perfumes fairly quickly, like you're going to go through this immediately. Now I still got quite a few left because I rotate through my fragrances and I'm still trying to figure out where to put what group to put this in because I started rotating my fragrances by seasons just because I have I think like 40 bottles now and I want to give them all equal opportunity to wear them equal opportunity to rotate through them um, before they go bad all of that and so I don't know what this fits in I really think this is probably more of a um year-round fragrance because it's warm so it works in the fall and winter but like I said it's also kind of light and refreshing and I don't know if it's like the citrus, like, let me see, let me go back to the olfactive notes. Let me go back to the olfactive notes. So I don't know if it's, yeah, if it's like the pepper and the citrusy notes that make it more refreshing, but it's well played. Like it's a good composition. Like it's a beautiful blend. And I, and like I said, it, the base notes prevent the darker notes, prevent the lighter notes from it being too too light and vice versa the lighter notes prevent it from being too heavy so it's like a perfect combination a perfect balance between the two so because of that i think this would be a good year-round perfume i think it's a good daytime scent as well as a good nighttime scent it's a good anytime scent i i just i think it's a it's a really well blended um perfume and it's unisex so this uh, some reviewers say it leans more masculine for them. I think male or female could wear it. Like I said, Jenna has it. I have it. I wear it. I think this would smell just as good on my husband too. So definitely, um, definitely really good. Like I think, I think guys would wear this to be honest. I think it's branded as, I don't know if it's branded as unisex or not, but I think it is. So, um, especially if you like rum and tobacco and, and woody notes, uh, and your guy, definitely give this a try. So, yeah. Um, I'm thinking, because the only other, like, tobacco-y fragrance set that's unisex that I've reviewed is by Killian Black Phantom, which is also good. That one's more on the gourmand side. This is not gourmand. This is just, like, a refreshing, woody scent. Whereas, I think... Uh, you do have the vanilla and the tobacco and like the rum with Black Phantom, but you also have some other shit in there that makes it more edible, if that makes sense. But if you want a rum scent and you don't want to spend, because Black Phantom's like 240 some odd bucks, you don't want to spend that. This is still expensive, but less so. So like I mentioned, 10 milliliter is going to set you back 30 bucks. The 30 milliliter is going to set you back 72 bucks. And the 100 milliliter is going to set you back $130. But again, a less inexpensive option than Black Phantom, where you can't really compare the two to totally different scents. But if you, like I said, if you want a woody rum, a woody boozy vanilla scent, and you don't want to spend the money on Black Phantom, this is a awesome, this is a good alternative, I would say. Not a dupe by any means, but another good scent that kind of ticks off those boxes and that won't set you back as much. Now, I could not find this on any of the discount websites that I haunt. Um, Fragrance Nut doesn't have it. 
Fragrance X doesn't have it. Perfume.com doesn't have it. Fragrancebuy.ca had it at one point, but it was sold out. So your, your best move if you want to get it now and don't want to wait is to pay full retail price. But again, there are ways to get it cheaper. This is this is also sold. You can get it off of the, uh, I think you can, you can buy it off of the Mason Margiela website. And usually the brand direct web, websites have pretty good deals. Um, you can also get it at Sephora. And if you wait for their, you know, rouge sales, which is like, you know, 15, 10, 15% or 20%, depending on what tier you're on in their rewards program, um, you can get some, a discount there. If you have gift cards, if you do gift card stacking like I do, you can definitely do that. I don't think they Ulta has it. Let me check really quickly. I did not check on Ulta. Um, let me see. Hold, please. Nope, they don't have it all done. So there are ways to get around paying full retail price. But yeah, unfortunately, I don't see it on any of my discounter websites. Would I repurchase this? No. Not because, I mean, it's good. Don't get me wrong. It's good. But I think it's, there's only like a handful of perfumes that are like a must rebuy. So right now, I think there's only, trying to think really quick. Uh, four for me that like, or I need to rebuy them. It's Shalimar Souffle, EDP, the original, Tom Ford's Black Orchid, Terry Mugler's Alien, and then LaBelle by Jean-Paul Gaultier. Those are like my top four. Maybe, no, yeah, those are my top four. Um, so this doesn't fall into one of those categories, but it's a good, it's a good fragrance, you know, to have. I'm glad I own it. I'm glad I got the purse size. Maybe in the future, I may, you know, buy a bigger size, but it's not like an immediate repurchase. Not because it's not good, but just because there's very few perfumes that are like, I want in my collection forever. This isn't one of them, but again, it's a really nice perfume to try to sample. They have sample sets from Sephora. You could go into your local Sephora and get a sample. Definitely, definitely worth exploring. Um, a good quality scent. Performance is a little, uh, if that's your thing, you know, definitely sample first to see how you feel. But overall, a really well-composed, beautiful fragrance. And I am glad that I own it. All right, fragrance in the news. I've got two articles for you this week that are more substantial than the ones I've been putting out. So you know, snaps to me for doing uh, some research. It wasn't a lot. So the first one comes from nationalgeographic.com. We get an educational up in her. So basically, apparently there is a city or a region in India. No, it's a city. City in India called Kanauj that apparently is the perfume capital <clears throat> of India. Um, they've, they produce something called Itter which is sounds, it sounds like a super, super concentrated oil-based fragrance. So um, you might have rose itter, which is from Damascus roses, which apparently is conducive. Uh, the climate over there is conducive to growing those. I think you have like vetiver itter, you have um, jasmine itter, like all of which that region, I guess, is the climate is conducive to growing all of those things. Um, so 
that's what that's what their jam is. And the perfumers over there um are still make itter the old fashioned way, which is they go into it. It's um let's see. I think itters use oil as a carrier instead of alcohol, which is um, which is what more, most modern perfumers use because it's cheap and all that. Um, what do they what do they do? Um, the art perfume making. So apparently they've been doing this for like four hundred years, which is more like two hundred years earlier than grass has been doing perfume. So India didn't know this, but like apparently India is well-versed in perfume making. Well, in terms of like itters and oil-based perfumes. So what they do is basically it's a method that uses copper stills fueled by wood and cow dung. So I think like it's soaked. Let's see. Let's see. All right. So they put it into a cop. So they put, so in this case, um, somebody's getting, one of them are getting a delivery. One of the perfumers is getting a delivery of like Damascus rose petals. So they put it in the copper still, put it in with fresh water, plugs it up, and then it, um, they, they simmer it. And then they, let's see. It starts to simmer. The steam flows from the still via bamboo reed into another copper pot holding the sandalwood oil, which it which gets, you know, clings onto the road saturated vapor. It makes it very fragrant. And like I said, apparently it sounds very concentrated. They said only like a dab or two on a pulse points and you're good to go. So very, very, and then I think it's aged like, um, they say it takes five to six hours to for those petals to become rose itter. Um, basically, it sounds, and then I think once the thing that everything's done simmering and all the steam is captured, then it's aged for I think like three to six months. They said um, it's aged in a camel skin bottle. So, and apparently it's hella expensive. Um, they say one kilo, which is about 2.2 pounds, can fetch up to $3,000. So because of that, they call it liquid gold. However, with the advent of like modern perfumery in the 20th century, well, not in, it wasn't invented in the 20th century, but starting in the 20th century, itters have become out of fashion. They're considered old fashioned. And now I think... There are they they do mention that a lot of perfumers from like the big houses like Dior and Hermes, there is a resurgence in them in itters and all of that. But I think in the 1990s, 20th century itself started falling out of fashion. 1990s uh definitely did with I guess Indian government put like I don't know, it was like restrictions on selling sandalwood, which caused it to go make it super expensive. It was basically too expensive for, you know, I guess perfumers to use in their perfumes if they wanted to keep their price points accessible. And, and people just kind of looked down on it. Like they Western taste started to kind of permeate through India and people preferred the perfumes that we are familiar with today with the alcohol, you know, they, they didn't really 
care much about um, itters and, and oil oil-based perfumes of that people have been using for centuries. So that does sound like it's starting to change. Um, there is one uh, one gentleman that says like some that he has courted people from the major houses because they are interested in rose itter. Uh, there's also a growing you know interest in niche perfumes now, many of which use oils and um, they can be pricey. But yeah, and or like they use oils, they're made in small batches, all of which um, is suitable to this. And I guess a lot of Muslim men use it too. Or they say that they put the, they put it on their pulse points before they pray or behind the ears before they pray. So that's primarily been their been their target audience since people kind of started shying, not shying, but started gravitating away from itters as like perfume. So they are confident that um, there will be a resurgence. And I just thought it was very interesting. Um, clearly, I did a terrible job of summarizing this, but I'll link to this in the show notes. They have beautiful pictures that go with it. It goes much more into detail of, you know, the history in this city, the type of itters and the type of just different perfumes, I guess, that can be made from itters. All of that. Super interesting. Um, so yeah, I just thought it was cool because I never, when you talk, talk about perfume, it's always French perfume. France has that market cornered. You never hear about India. And, but now because people, that's one of the things that they mentioned that that's part of the resurgence. Now people are, even Western perfumers are starting to lean into more of the heavier, um, notes like oud, like Middle Eastern stuff's becoming popular. And so by default, you know, they're getting more business. So it's really interesting. I guess back when, back when people started falling out of favor with itters, they wanted something like florally and citrusy, but now people are embracing more of the heavier, you know, Middle Eastern type of scents. And, and now they, they're in a spot to where they can, you know, they want, they're curious. They want to learn more about itters and, and oil-based perfumes. Um, so Definitely check it out. Very, very interesting. Our second uh, article is not nearly, it's educational in a different way. I'll say that. It's from InStyle and it's how to know when your perfume has expired. Um, and I know, I mean, granted, if you are a perfume enthuse, enthuser, I don't know what the hell I'm trying to say. If you are a collector of perfume or you've been, you know, in this hobby wearing perfume for a number of years, you can probably tell when your perfume's expired, but I still thought I would share this information. So clearly how long your perfume lasts is depending on how it's stored. You know, it's supposed to be, you're supposed to keep it away from like heat and light. Um, those, I guess, oxidize the perfumes or, you know, it causes the molecules to break down. The perfumes will become stronger. They say spraying perfumes, that oxidizes it because when you spray it, you're inviting air back into the bottle and that can also degrade a perfume over time. Um, so they actually mentioned storing your perfume in a refrigerator. Very interested in that because I'm running out of room on my vanity. And I feel like, I mean, it would be bougie to have my own perfume fridge. But like skincare fridges are a thing. And it's mixed. People say it's kind of so bougie it's cringy. Then people who have them love them. And I think a perfume fridge would be, 
I wouldn't, if somebody wanted, if my husband wanted to get me that for Christmas next year, not, not a mini one, not a mini fridge, because all of my shit would, would fill it up. I want a full-sized fridge that I know it's a lot. I know that's so extra, like a full-size like whirlpool that has all of my perfumes in it with like, and you can adjust the shelf space and stuff in it. Oh man, that would be amazing. That would, that's like, that's like super rich. That's like on the level with like Real Housewives of Beverly Hills rich. We're not going to talk about Real Housewives of Potomac because I feel like I can get there. That's not super aspirational, but Beverly Hills is. And I feel like Beverly Hills bitches would have a perfume fridge. And that's the kind of rich that I aspire to be one day is perfume fridge rich. Um, so, so how, so they say, how long can a perfume last if unopened? Again, it depends, um, on how you store it. They sit like, there's this one, one dude that they interview. Um, oh, I shouldn't say one dude, a nose, a perfumer who's created fragrances for like Gucci, Tara Mugler and Hugo Boss. He said that he had a chance to evaluate a never, never open bottle of perfume from the eighties. And it was like brand new. So he says each fragrance has a different lifespan, which is true. And they, and then that section of the, of the article ends saying, quote, that said, it's definitely a good idea to finish one bottle before you start using another, end quote. And I have not done that for years, but I am, I am proud because to be honest, I've only, I've only thrown out. I've been wearing perfume since I was 19 years old. I've only had to throw out three bottles due to them going bad. So in my experience, and I've kept them on my um, dresser drawers. In my experience, I think perfumes can last a long ass time. I still have perfumes that I bought like when I was like 25, 26, 27, and they still are good to go. So, and, and they mentioned too, like fragrances packaging has gotten really good as far as like minimizing oxidation and all of that. So, you know, technology has improved. So fragrances can last longer than I guess they used to. And I think getting away from natural ingredients, I mean, I don't know, this is my theory. It's not backed up by anything that I have researched, but I feel like using synthetic notes over natural notes would probably make them last longer as well. Cause I feel like natural notes break down faster. I mean, right? Like, isn't that anything like, that's why, you know, parabens have gotten such a bag of wrap, but they're pretty much preservatives because if you use an all natural, like skincare, you'd have to use that shit up because that can go bad. Like, or same way as like organic without pesticides and stuff to preserve it longer, that shit goes bad if you don't use it. So I'm assuming it would be the same way for like all natural ingredients. So not all synthetic stuff is bad. So they say, how do you know when perfumes has expired? Usually when the smell is slightly sour, that's like the number one tip off. Um, and that's that can be due to the top notes oxidizing. It can also have a slight metallic scent. That's what happened to me. I had to throw away my Valentino Rock and Rose Couture. Um, the bottle was so pretty too. And I, I wish I would have put more of a dent in it because I really did like it. It was just something that I didn't reach as much for as much as I thought I would. And I went to go wear it earlier this year in the fall because it was in my fall, you know, fall winter scent, scent group. And the rose note was just sour. And I thought it was me. So I sprayed it on my husband and it was sour on him. And I was like, 
I can't get past this. It was gross. It was almost nauseating. It was so gross. So I had to dump that. I dumped a bottle of Ralph Lauren Romance for the same thing, but that one had like, I probably, if I wore that for a week straight, I would have been able to finish the bottle. Like it had an itty bitty tiny left. Um, that one was done. There was one one other one that I thought I had chucked due to, I can't think of it now. It'll come to me, but yeah. So, um, they say, I mean, basically that's just the main thing is, oh, they also mentioned that the, the shade of the juice could change. If it looks darker, or has a yellow tint, it typically, it typically means the fragrance has oxidized. That is not 100% foolproof though, because some juice comes colored. So for instance, this jazz club, uh, purse spray, the juice is like a, uh, not like a light amber color. And the, on girl, girl gone wild, girl of now, that juice is like a dark orangey, almost ambery color as well. Labelle, that juice is dark. And I know also juice can turn as the vanilla, if it's got vanilla in it, it can age, but doesn't necessarily mean it's gone bad. Like it still smells good. So that's not a full, a foolproof telltale method. I would say it sounds like the number one thing outside of the the liquid changing is how it smells. If your juice changed, but it still smells good to you, then I would say keep wearing it. Because I think you can, like, I've had some perfumes, I mean, in my collection for like going on 10 years and they were fine. And there's some that, you know, it was about eight, the Valentina Rose, Rose Contour was eight years and then I had to dump that. But that was still in my collection for eight years. So I think perfumes do have a longer can last a long time. Obviously, don't rush the oxidation and, you know, rush the breaking down process of molecules by storing them in a spot that's like super sunny and heat because UV and and um, UV rays and heat and all that can break down the fragrance. But I think if you store, you know, if you store it regularly, like don't put it in your bathroom because that's, you know, steam and all that is just breaking it down faster. But I think like on your bedroom, if you've got like a, a, um, a dresser drawer that's like away from sun or like a vanity that's away from sun and heat, you know, or if you put yours in, in drawers, I mean, or if you're rich and you have a perfume fridge, you know, all that can go towards extending the life. Now I will say I don't, my collections at around 40 ish bottles, I am good for a while. And I have, that's not including samples. The 40s include minis, purse sprays, and full-size bottles. Because I want to be able to use some of them up before obtaining more of my collection. You know, like I, there are some people that I watch on YouTube that have amazing size collections. Part of me is jealous because it, it looks like they own uh, a damn department store fragrance section. Um and I just, I'm just like, oh, I would love to like play in all of those fragrances. But I think for me, 40-ish is enough because I think anymore I would get overwhelmed and I'd be too worried about rotating them through and I would worry about them going bad. Again, I say that not to judge anybody with larger collections. Whew, that was my dog. He was slipping sliding on the tile. I say that not to judge people with larger collections. Not at all. You do you. You like what you like. You enjoy what you enjoy. You know, your money is your money. But I think for me... I'm keeping it to around 40-ish bottles because I don't want them to go bad and because I want to be able to wear them equally and rotate through them reasonably. 
And I think I'm going to use up a couple this summer. I'm super excited. So yeah, if the juice smells, get a second opinion. And then, yeah, I would say the juice smell. If the, if the juice smells off, get somebody else's opinion to verify. Um, and then I guess if the, if the color changes, but that's not always a 100% telltale sign. So I would say smell, you know, when something's gone off, you know, like I think my Ralph Lauren Notorious, it's not there yet. It's on the verge. So I've been wearing it because it still smells good. Um, but some of those flowers, I think, I don't think I'm going to use it up. It's part of my, I weirdly, it's a white floral. I weirdly put it in my fall and winter collection. I don't know why, but I associate cold weather with that. I think I'm also going to wear it during the spring, try and use up as much of it as I, as I can. But I think that one's going to be the next to go if I can't use it up. Cause that one's kind of on the verge, but you know, you know, like you can smell. So just oh, this jazz club though. I'm like holding the, <laughs> the purse for while I talk. I talk with my hands, like the whole things with them, hold things in my hands. And I keep smelling this jazz club. Oh, so good. But yeah, um, smell, I think is the number one indicator that your perfume has gone off. And you know, when you know, even though you probably want to deny it, you'll know. All right, I am done with this episode. I feel like I've been slurring my words, even though I had been drinking wine and I had pizza for breakfast. So I, it's not like I'm on an empty stomach. I know that sounds so gross. <sighs> Um, I think I just need to enunciate on my words. So enunciate my words better. So I will be working on that and trying to slow it the fuck down when I talk. But I get so excited, guys. I get so excited when I talk about perfume. And it's just like, I got to get it all out. And I can't pace myself, which the whole one of the reasons I started this podcast in the first place was to do just that. It just feels weird when, I mean, it doesn't sound weird, but it feels weird when I'm trying to pace it out. Like, I feel like I'm just talking so slowly. And I know it sounds normal and I got to get past that, but I don't know. I just get excited. I just, I'm an excited bitch when it comes to perfume. So with that said, thank you as always for listening to my ramblings, um, for interacting with me online. If the spirit moves you, like and subscribe on our podcasts, um, leave a review. It doesn't even have to be five stars. I think any engagement works. So if you want to tell me that my taste in perfume is shit, do it. I don't give a shit. I mean, you're giving me that comment. You're giving me those star ratings. You're doing something. You're interacting with my content and that can only benefit me. So um, do it no matter how you're feeling. Um, if you want to connect with me online, you can do so. I'm on Instagram. That's the platform that I'm the most active on. And that's P at Pino and Perfume and is spelled out. If you uh, use the Peloton app or you're richer than I am and have the actual Peloton bike or tread and you want to follow me, we can follow each other and work out and be workout buddies. Um, I'm hashtag Pino and perfume there as well. I know this is dumb. I want to get the swarm badge. If you know, you know, you can also email the show, email the show, email me. I'm at it's sarahchacon784 at gmail.com. And once again, let me know how your Christmas went. I want to know if you got perfume or any sort of fragrances. I'll take a candle. If you, whatever you got me that's fragrance related and you want to share with me, I want to hear it. I love, I, I love it. Like I love it. Um, so let me know what you got for Christmas. 
that's fragrance related, um, be it a perfume, a candle, a deodorant. If you got native deodorant and you love that shit, I don't wear it because I'm in Florida and I sweat like a, 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 a I sweat like, I can't think of anything catchy other than like a horn church. Oh, whatever. That's been overused. But you know, I sweat like a, a motherfucker and um, I don't, I don't deal, I don't use, I don't fucks with the uh, native, perf- native deodorants because it can't handle, it can't handle all this. They can't handle all this. So, but if you got some scented perfume that you are just jazzed about for Christmas, let me know. And, um, if you want to tell me your new year's resolutions, don't, cause I don't care. <laughs> but anyway, I hope I am needed in, in this now. Um, whatever you do, I hope you have a wonderful new year's because the next episode is going to be in 2021. So I hope you had a great Christmas. I hope you have a safe new year's. I hope that whatever you're doing, you're having fun. You're, you're being good and careful, but most importantly, you're smelling good. And I will see you in 2021. Bye. Pinot and Perfume is hosted and produced by yours truly, Sarah Chacon. Theme music is Around the Bend by Evan Schaefer.